Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Genesis chapter 13. I'll begin reading with verse number 7. I'm going to make this disclaimer. I don't know. Maybe disclaimer is not the word. but I very well may. I trust and believe under the direction of the Holy Ghost. But I very well may say some things tonight that a couple of you may interpret that I'm shooting at you. I'm going to tell you right now. I am not intentionally taking a shot at anybody over anything I may say. So, I'm asking you not to miss what the Lord would like to say to us because you possibly think I'm just shooting at you. I really wish, if I say some of the things I feel like the Lord has given me to say, I really wish I could say I was just shooting at one person. So don't think so highly of yourself. You're not the only one. <laughs> but I, I, well, let me just, let me just, let me just get going here. Genesis chapter 13, beginning with verse number 7. Genesis 13 and verse 7, we are picking up in the story of Abraham and in particular as he and Lot have started their journey as God has told him to leave Ur. And so that's the context of what we are reading. And verse 7 says, There was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Let me just say this now. There's always strife between those that are on the journey pursuing a promise and those who are just tagging along with those who are pursuing a promise. Say it again. There's always strife between those that are pursuing a promise who have a promise and those who are just tagging on tagging along on the journey of those that have a promise there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle and the Canaanite and the Perizzites dwelled then in the land and Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Don't miss the fact that just because we're the brethren, but just because we're brethren, don't mean we won't have strife. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. 
And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Verse 12 says, And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. That's the promised land. Notice, Lot did not choose the promised land. Because the promised land was not appealing to the eyes. Lot did not choose the promised land because it did not entice him. But he saw the well-watered plains of Jordan and it looked good. And so he chose that. The Bible says that he dwelled in the cities of the plain. I want you to get this last part of this verse. And pitched his tent toward Sodom. God, I know your presence is in this place tonight. I know that you have already been moving and working. God, I just believe there is something of significance that you desire to do in this congregation tonight. God, we've heard some vision and some faith of where you want to take us. But as is always the case, there are things that must be in alignment for us to get to the fulfillment of that vision. God, I feel that you desire to do something in us tonight, individually and collectively. I'm asking you to fulfill what you desire to do tonight. I pray, God, that you would speak and you would do what you desire to do. I trust you tonight. I pray, God, that you would let me be a conduit through which you could speak. I trust you for your anointing. I depend upon you tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Abraham says we've got to separate. There's too much tension. There's too much contention. We've got to get some separation. I I find it kind of interesting. I don't really know why he did it this way. Perhaps you do and you can explain it to me later. But I'm a little uncertain why Abraham left the decision to lot. Abraham is the one that God had called. Abraham is the one that God had sent. And yet Abraham says, we, we've got to separate. And so I'm going to let you make the decision. I don't know. Maybe the bottom line was Abraham trusted. If I'll just leave this in your control, God, you're going to ultimately work it out. Hallelujah. But he says to Lot, you, 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 you decide. Is not the whole land before us? Separate thyself, I pray you, from me. If you will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you depart to the right, then I will go to the left. And so rather than looking through the eyes of the Spirit and the eyes of promise, 
Lot begins to look through his natural eye. And he is enticed by the well-watered plains of Jordan. So the Bible says that he chose those well-watered plains. Abraham goes the other direction to the land of Canaan. And Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. What that means is Lot did not take up residence in Sodom. He stayed outside of Sodom. He didn't become a resident of Sodom initially. It just started with I'm going to build my house outside of Sodom, but I'm just going to let it face the direction of Sodom. I believe I've come to tell more than one individual in this place tonight, you need to take your tent down. And at the very least, you need to reposition the direction that is facing Because on this Sunday night, to the more committed group of people, a part of Antioch Central, I say to you, there's a bunch of folks here that have allowed ourselves to pitch our tent towards Sodom. I'm not living in Sodom. I'm not dwelling in Sodom. I'm just pitching my tent in the direction. I'm not there. I'm just letting it get my eye a little bit. Oh, Brother Wright, don't worry about me. I'm still in the church. I'm still a part of the church. That j- Just because I'm facing that way, just because my focus is a little bit distracted by Sodom, don't worry, Brother Wright. I- I- I'm not there. Wearsby says this, First Lot looked towards Sodom. Then he moved towards Sodom. And before long, you can see in Judges 14 and 12 and Judges 19 and 1, he was living in Sodom. He didn't start that way. At first, he just decided to dwell on the outskirts and just let it be his focus. Oh, Jesus. I'm not there. I'm not living there. I'm not an occupant. I'm not a resident. It just kind of gets my attention. I preach to people tonight that you spend more time throughout your week on social media and online than you do in the Word of God and than you do in feeding your soul. You know everything that's going on in the world outside the church and a bunch of you make it your business to know everything that's going on in the church. There is, I believe, there is, and and I I guess it's always been there, but I believe, I feel like it's being, it's being amped up. There is this onslaught of the enemy upon the church is we want to make all of this absolutely as convenient as possible. And I'm not just talking about the way we dress and the way we look. In fact, that's becoming less and less of the big issue we struggle with. 
Oh, boy, it is a great way to kick off the summer. Hallelujah. I, 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 we, we were several weeks ago down in, in Chesapeake, Virginia for a seminar we went to. We were gone that weekend, which many of you know. In the Friday night service, Brother Shock, Brother Terry Shock was the speaker. He made this st- statement. Some, get your, get your iPad, get your phone out, get your pen out, get your pen, whatever you do. To, some of you need to write this down. Some of the most deceived people are some of the most faithful people. Some of the most deceived people are some of the most faithful. Because you'll show up three times a week. Put in your hour and a half, two hours for church. But the rest of it's yours. You are greatly deceived. I give you every part of me. Each song I sing, each breath I breathe. Take complete Control. I got my tent out of Sodom, brother, right? I'm just looking that direction. I'm just curious as to what's going on there. He went from looking to moving towards to ending up becoming a resident. And I pray in the Holy Ghost that some of you parents would hear me tonight because some of you parents have decided to pitch your tent for your family towards Sodom and it's ultimately going to cost you the salvation of those in your house. Because... Lot made it out of Sodom. But his wife didn't make it out. She got too wrapped up in it and she didn't get out. I preach to people tonight. I don't, I don't know when the last... I'm going to say this is, this is one of those things I'm telling you. I'm not shooting at any person, any one person here tonight. I don't know when the last time I've ever heard so many people making decisions for their lives based on natural circumstances. You better be careful of those well-watered plains. It may look good and it may be enticing, but if you go there and you set your tent up towards Sodom, it may start off okay. And ultimately you may survive, but others may not. I don't know. I don't know when I have ever, I'm just being transparent with I I don't know whenever I don't know when I have ever battered battled more with my preaching than I have over the last several months in feeling very intimidated and, and, and I guess intimidated is probably the best word for a lot of different reasons of which I will not go into. By the help of the Lord, at least for tonight, I'm going to do my best to let that set that aside. 
I'm sick and tired of the feeling that I'm feeling. And it, it may ultimately be, I acknowledge, it may ultimately be the devil, okay? But I'm getting sick and tired of the feeling that I feel. That you know what? You're just looking for too much from us and you're just expecting too much from us. And why do we need to do so much? And why do we need to come to church so much? preach to people tonight and there's others that aren't here that ought to be here and hopefully they'll watch or listen later but let me tell you some of you parents tonight what you permit in moderation your kids will embrace without limitation we'll say it again i am thank you brother spriggs what you allow in moderation your kids will embrace without limitation What are you talking about, Brother Wright? Well, one thing I'm talking about is the way you communicate to them that that being at the house of God is not the most important thing in our schedule. That may work for right now. And it may just be a service here and there. But you hear me tonight. I don't want to say it this way, but I prophesy to you. When they get their own house and they make their own decisions, if it was okay to miss one, then maybe I really don't need any. I don't like that, brother. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't understand. I know by the mouth of two or three witnesses, and I, I know I need to give you more, but there's one verse that always jumps out in my mind. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And no, that doesn't just mean a church service. No, it means the body. So whether that's a church service or a care group or an oikos getting together or a Bible study or a prayer meeting or if it's just dinner at somebody's house on a Friday night to play some games together. Oh well, it's the body. And it says we should do it the more as we see the day approaching and not the less. Do you know why it's not a priority? Because we got our tents pitched towards Sodom. We've got our direction set towards Sodom. Oh, I'm not in it. I'm not in the world, brother. Right? I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I just. I mean, I got a life. Surely you expect me to have a life? No, actually, I don't. Really? Yeah. Why not? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. As your reasonable. I have never battled so much, brother, you in feeling like the things that I expect as a pastor are so unreasonable as I have battled the last several months and year or so. Paul said... Don't just give a part and that's reasonable. Paul said, I I beg you to present your bodies, every part of you, as a living sacrifice. And that is reasonable. I'm I'm just setting it in the direction. I'm 
just, it's just, you know, we're not there. We're not living there. Oh, God. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Tell all you young people and young adults that are launching out into adulthood and needing a career and needing income and needing a source of supply. You can choose to take a look at Sodom. And you can decide to figure out what's best for you based on what you see. Or you can go find you some place to get down on your knees before God and say, God, more important than my income, more important than where I live, more important than what I wear, more important than where I'm able to go on vacation is to know that I am walking in your steps, in your will, in your plan, in your purpose for my life. And I will promise you tonight, if you will Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added. How in the world do we expect to reach a full-time lost world with a part-time focused church? I know, I know, brother. I, I'm, I hope you caught it. Man, brother Osborne, what a great, you, you, you did awesome, man. You, you did awesome. I want you to get one. Well, make sure you get You got to get it. And we're going to try to make sure you get it. Celebrate recovery is not just drugs and alcohol. You got to get that. You need to hear that. Some of you don't need to go help at celebrate recovery. Some of you need it. I mean that sincerely. I'm not saying that unkind. I mean it sincerely. So, please, it's not just drugs and alcohol. That being said, and hopefully you're remembering that, we are, we are in the midst. I don't know the statistics like some of them do, but we are in the midst of one of the worst areas in our country for drugs. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, don't let it be that I have to say, Brother Osborne, I, I appreciate your vision. I appreciate your passion. I appreciate the vision and the passion of the team that's working with you. But I'm really sorry we can't support that. Because we got too many people that got their tent directed in the wrong direction. Some of you, you need to go back to that day you dedicated that child to the Lord. Because more than likely what you said, God, is I give them back to you. And yet many of you have taken control and are prioritizing them and their future. When if you would prioritize Him. Oh my Lord. Brother Wright, you... You're being so unkind to it. This, this is Sunday night. I know. I know. I know. I know it is. I know it's Sunday night. I know. Please, I know. I know. 
But I'm sorry, I didn't say it, but it's an awesome quote. There's some very deceived people here tonight. Because you check off your box three times a week that you put in your obligation, you fulfilled your obligation and your duty, and you have come so far from that. Because it's not all about a church service, and it's not all about just coming here. Whether you are called into some kind of role of full time ministry where you divide, derive your income from that or not, every single person has been called to the kingdom for a purpose. But you've got to decide. Am I going to look at the well-watered plains of Jordan? Or am I going to look at Canaan that may not be as appealing right now, but trust that God has something in the future in Canaan that is far greater than what I can see in Jordan in the present. Brother Hemus, I guess... Fortunately, your wife's not here tonight, but I guess it's just you guys' day to get picked on. You just how 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 soon had you built that last house? How long had you, yeah yeah two months built it built a house in St. Margaret's with the plans of being there and. Retiring there and just taking it easy there. And God says, got something else for you. Sister, Sister Maud, I realize your family was already there before the Hemuses got there. I understand that, but, but are there some folks in Liverpool tonight that are thankful? That Brother Hemus had not pitched his tent towards Sodom and gotten distracted with Sodom so that he was unwilling to say, you know what, I'll let this go. Not only will I leave behind a beautiful house and a good income, but I'll leave behind family and friends and I'll go, even though he was going back home, I'll go to a foreign place for the rest of his family and I'll make the sacrifice because I'd rather, I, I gotta tell you, I, 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 my, my, I, I, my frame of reference is my parents have had both of their sons within 10 minutes, Brother Whaley, of them forever. I got to tell you, it's fine with me if God wants to continue that for another generation. It's fine with me. In fact, it's not, it's my desire. My wife and my four kids mean the world to me. i got a lot of great friends. I know a lot of great people. But I would just as soon be with those five people as anybody else in this world. I, I, I have got, I know they're not perfect and I know some of you probably know some dirty secrets on them that I don't know and I don't really want to hear them because I, I know they're not perfect. I already know that. I know that, but I got, man, I, I, I stood there, we, we, we were... Um, we were, I know some of y'all got NBA finals going on tonight. Hopefully you, hopefully you DVR'd it. But I, there, there was one particular moment, there was one particular moment. We were walking along, it's called Cliff Walk, right? We were walking along Cliff Walk in Newport, Rhode Island. Newport's a beautiful place. It's kind of like, I don't know, the best way I know to describe it is Newport is kind of a little bit like Annapolis on steroids. 
it's kind of like Naples, but just a, kind of a bigger version. I, I actually said to my wife, I'm a little bit confused how Naples is the sailing capital because they got more than we do there. We were walking, we were walking along the cliff walks and, 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 and there was a little kind of an overlook and, and there was, there's some mansions you can see and the path kind of goes higher and, and my wife and I, had, she was looking at a mansion I think and I was up on that upper path and I, I looked down there and, and, and I looked at my, my four kids, they were all right there together and there was this interaction that was going between the four of them and I got to I, I don't know if I've ever felt a more just deeply rewarding feeling as I watched the bond between them. We sat there, some of you know some of the details of this, and you'll, if you don't know, you'll hear the rest later, but we sat there, and actually it wasn't there, I'm sorry. Last weekend we sat at, no, actually one of the, I don't know, one of the days, either there or last Saturday, we, we sat there, and I think it was Timothy that was desired to be Captain Obvious at the moment. And he said, this is, this, is, this is the last time for six. Well, I, I, know you, I know, please, again, I, I said this somewhere the other day. I, there, there, I, I think I said it here Thursday night. I, there's people sitting in this place tonight. You've, you've lost children, children that have passed away. Please, if nothing else, would you just humor me for a moment? Because <laughs> I know compared to that, this is nothing, okay? Okay, so I just feel like I have to say that. He said, this is, the, this is the last time for at least six months that all six of us are going to be at a table together. Because Elizabeth left last Sunday. Get on a plane. I, I got to tell you, Esther, Esther, y'all know Esther. Esther is just outgoing. She's full of personality. She just, she just she brightens up a room when she walks into it. But, you know, Elizabeth, she, she, she's just tiny. She's... She, Quiet. She's very much like me. I, I, I you know, I, not I, not all women. I, I already know this, but you know, not all women are talkative. You you get Elizabeth and I in the car together, and it's usually silence. She doesn't say much, and I don't say much. You get you get Esther, you get Angie in the car. There's going to be communication, but Elizabeth is is very much like me. I got to tell you, watching watching that five foot two. 90-something pound girl walk into the security at Dulles Airport. It was not what I want. But I made up my mind a long time ago, and I, I think I said this to one of them recently, and I'll say it here tonight. I would rather them be on the other side of the world in the perfect will of God than across the street from me where I see them all the time and end up in a backslidden condition. I preach to some parents tonight. You better be careful the direction, the course that you're setting. I'm all about an education. I got a bachelor's degree. My two daughters just got AA degrees. I anticipate more for them and my sons. But that's got to be a part of the journey that God has established and not your focus and goal of where you are going. Oh God. I don't think Lot ever expected 
that the direction of my tent is going to lead to something more than just a view of Sodom. There are, there are lots of different people and places that are mentioned throughout Scripture. There are places in particular that are mentioned for various reasons. There are some places that are mentioned that are mentioned many times and we know a lot about them. And then there's other places that they're mentioned and we may not know as much about them. But there, there's a place in Scripture. I, I know I've read it before, but someone mentioned it to me several weeks ago. And i got to tell you, I have not been able to get away from this verse. This place, this location is mentioned for one reason. It's not mentioned before and it's not mentioned after. And the only reason it's even mentioned is because it is cursed. And it tells us that it's cursed. It's found in Judges chapter 5 and verse number 23. And it says this, Curse ye Miraz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof. The word bitterly there actually in the Hebrew is curse. So it's like, it's like a double emphasis. Curse with a curse. Let's not just sort of curse it. I mean, let's really curse it. And then it tells us, it tells us why. Miraz was cursed because they came not to the help of the Lord. To help the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. The Good News Translation says it this way, Put a curse on me, Roz, says the angel of the Lord. A curse, a curse on those who live there. They did not come to help the Lord. Come as soldiers to fight for Him. Again, there's nothing else mentioned in Scripture. There's no other references to it, so permit me for a moment to read to you from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia that gives a little bit more perspective on Miraz. The name occurs only once in Scripture. The angel of the Lord is represented as invoking curses upon Miraz because the inhabitants came not to the help of Yahweh on the day of Deborah and Barak's victory. It is a strange fate shared with Chorazin to be preserved from oblivion only by the record of a curse. The only reason Miraz is mentioned is because of the curse. The bitterness in the treatment of Miraz not found in the references to any of the other delinquents, must be due to the special gravity of her offense. Reuben, Gilead, and Dan were far away. This, however, is not true of Asher, who was also absent. Perhaps Miraz was near the field of the strife. Or excuse me, near the field of battle, and at some stage of the conflict, 
within sight and hearing of the strife. If when Zebulon jeoparded their lives unto the death and Naphtali upon the high places of the field, they turned a deaf ear and a cold heart to the dire straits of their brethren, this might explain the fierce reproaches of Deborah. That all sounds really awesome, Brother Osborne. That that sounds really exciting. That sounds really great. As long as you don't want me, God, to get involved. They were cursed because they did not come to the help of the Lord. God forbid that we as a church would sit and die because God called us for something. God called us to something, but we would not come to the help of the Lord. I know most of you already know it, but God has bound Himself by His Word that He will not work independently all by Himself, but He has bound Himself to have to use men and women as the conduits through which He works. How shall they hear? How shall they hear without a preacher? I drove last night. For, we, were, we were up north part of the county and I, the GPS was taking me on some back roads I'd never been on before in all my life living in this area. I drove by houses and Apartment buildings and townhouses after townhouse after town. I wonder, I wonder if there's somebody in this place tonight that God has been calling, but you have not been willing to come to the help of the Lord. How quick we are to get upset with God when He does not respond to our prayers in as timely of a manner as we wish. But what about the times when God pleads with us to do something, to go somewhere, to give of ourselves to something? What about those times in which we put it off and put it off? I wonder tonight if some of you, I know, I know the world of grace and love and all that preaching may not like this oh well I think I can back it up in scripture but I wonder if some of you tonight the reason your bank account is so low and the reason finances are so tight is because God has been calling and calling and calling but you have not been willing to come to the help of the Lord okay 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 you don't agree with me let me just give you one passage Haggai chapter 1, verse number 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. 
This is the year of doubling. But God doesn't do that by Himself. I know what he said to Peter and the disciples upon this rock. I will build my church. I understand he builds the church. But he uses us as the laborers to build the church. You know, Brother Wright, you just, you know, I, I just, I got too much on me. I got too much going on. I, I got too much. I, I, I got, the time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? That, that word sealed there actually kind of means paneled houses. This was the 70s, that would be very appealing. It, it, it actually, even though paneling is not as big of a deal today as it used to be, it, what it's saying is, it's, is it time for you to dwell in your well-decorated houses? Figuratively, is it time for you to just focus on your wonderfully put-together world? Making sure everything is in place for your future? Kevin, I shouldn't even call your name. I should just use this even more vague than that, but oh well. I said in a situation in Kevin's lifetime where an individual, it was really a little bit of an awkward situation, but an individual was questioning him in front of myself and several others about his finances and asking some kind of pointed questions that not only were they not this person's business, they definitely weren't even the rest of our business. And he did an extremely excellent job of deflecting the questions. But the, the basis of the questions that were being asked to him was in the essence of, you know what, you are a young man, you got a lot of life ahead of you, and, and you need to make sure that you are properly planning for your future based on naturally created ideas. You need to make sure you got everything in order and you need to make sure you got everything well planned out. Can I tell you something? I can testify tonight if you will put the kingdom first. There are things that God has prepared for you in the future that He will provide for ways that will blow your mind. But you can decide if you want to to take the responsibility on yourself and figure it all out so be it you see this on the side of my head you better expect a bunch of those or you can decide you know what God heaven and earth is going to pass away all of this is temporal everything that I can see is temporal none of it's going to last and so rather than focusing on what I can see I am going to focus on what I cannot see I'm going to put my treasures somewhere else and trust you to take care of me here and now Time for you to dwell 
in your sealed houses. In this house, why? In ways, I, I could preach this in an application of the natural tonight, but you know what? In some ways, that thermometer on the back wall shows that we're doing a better job than we've done in a while of taking care of this. I know the building is not a church. I know the church is not the building. But I also know there's not anything wrong with having a place where the people of God gather together for a set purpose. And if we're going to gather in that place, it ought to be as nice as we can make it. But I'm not preaching about the physical tonight. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. We are, we have been well trained even way before call to war. We have been, we have, this church has been trained and taught the principles of spiritual warfare for decades. I understand that call to war has kind of brought a, a focused effort to it, but it wasn't at the start of call to war when Antioch learned about spiritual warfare. The problem is, when it's not the devil, You can do all the spiritual warfare you want to do. But when your adversary is not the devil, you got trouble. Well, who else could be my adversary, Brother Wright? Uh, Jesus. Really? Yeah, really. You have sown much and bring in little. Don't raise your hand. Do not. I don't want your hand. I don't want to see your hand. But how many of you tonight have had some situations looking ahead at your future that it looked like things were starting to fall in place and you were starting to get your break? Man, things are turning around and all of a sudden it crumbled. You've sown much, but you bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in a bag with holes. I've heard of people counting on tax returns, expecting tax returns was going to be the thing to provide there's something they've been wanting to get and the tax return's going to be the funds to get it or it's going to do this or going to do that. And before they got the tax return in their hand, some kind of problem arose and the money they had expected to use it for this, they had to use it for that. There's a slight chance it wasn't the devil. It may have been God seeing, you know what? You got everything wrapped up in your house. So I'm just going to do this. 
And what looked like it was all falling into place, all of a sudden slipped through your hand. Thus saith the Lord God of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow on it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of my mine house that is waste and you run every man unto his own house therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew and the earth is stayed from her fruit and I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labor of the lands why of the hands why you had your tent focused on Sodom. You had your dreams and your desires wrapped up in Sodom. They were cursed with a curse because they came not to the help of the Lord. Oh God, how amazing. I know it not everything now and in the future is about celebrate recovery. It's not gonna everything's not gonna be about celebrate recovery, but I tell you, based on what was described here tonight, it sounds like it's a great tool to me. Oh, how awesome would it be to have to say, Brethren, you guys have heard the Lord's call for help to the point that we got enough of you. We just need you to come once every two months to help with security. We got, we got enough of you willing to help with the children. We just need you to commit to once a week, once a month. We just to commit to once a month. Does the scripture not say that my God shall provide all of your needs? We always we always make that about our finances and our you know our car, our clothes, our houses. Always. But you know what? Those of you that sit here tonight with a burden and a calling in your life, you have ministry needs. That fits the category of God's promise to supply all of your needs. Does God lie? Does God lie? No. So if there are unfulfilled needs, that's because God has called and somebody is not coming to the help of the Lord. Somebody is not responding to the call. I, I, I've said it and I will continue to preach it and teach it in the future. The order is God, family, ministry. 
That's the order. Ministry and God are not one in the same. You should put God first above everything else. But your family being second doesn't mean you always override every commitment to ministry. It just means you don't neglect the care of who God has entrusted you for ministry. But I preach to some people tonight, you've, you've kind of got that a little bit twisted because you won't ever hear and respond to the call of the Lord because you're just too busy. You know, God has a way of multiplying your resources. And God has a way of multiplying your time when you put Him first. He's got a way of doing that. I, I'm not trying to be unkind. Brother Ryan, I don't, I don't know why you pre- why are you preaching this. Why, why are you being so rough? I'll tell you why I'm being so rough. Because I've watched progressively now for several years more and more as it's harder and harder to get people to do stuff that has to do with church and kingdom. Harder and harder to get people to give of their time. They'll come to church. Some of you struggling with that. I'm not trying to be mean tonight. Some of you, you you're not even fully committed to that, brother. Right? You don't understand. You just you don't understand my life, my schedule. You don't understand my children. I gotta, I gotta put my my children gotta get an education. My. My children, my children, I I watched, I watched in my years, in particular, I watched in my years as principal of Antioch Christian School, I watched as people in this church chose to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on very expensive education for kids so that they could position their kids for the best future possible. And I watched others who got their inexpensive, minimal education at Antioch Christian School as God opened doors and provided means for them beyond what should be expected while those who invested thousands and thousands in an education have never even used that education what's the difference the difference is somebody somebody heard somebody heard the call and came to the help of the Lord. I, I don't know what that phrase done, does to you. I don't know what that phrase, I don't know what that phrase stirs up inside of you. But the idea that God has, is, and will continue to call me to come to His help. I've called on Him thousands of times to help me. And I expect that every time I call on Him, He will come. I wonder how many times every day God calls, not the sinner, 
Not the heathen, not the reprobate, but that God calls His own to His help and they ignore the call of God to help Him. I, I, little old me, called to the help of the Lord. Let me show you the difference between me and some of you. This is a human being. I'm not trying to boast, brag. I'm not trying. I'm just telling you. Let me just give you insight. I've never really thought I was where I am because of my dad. My dad. I don't think most of you think that. I mean, let me tell you why I got here. You know what I'm doing tomorrow night, Monday night. Listen, you, 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 you know, I can't, I can't really explain all this, and you may not understand it, and you may think it's the most ridiculous thing that you've ever heard. But, but, but I, I just, and, and this has gone on for probably a decade or more, and I finally, about at least halfway through that, started to learn and understand. But, but, but Monday, Monday. Mondays, I I really hate Mondays. I, I, I'm not. I know some of you hate them too, because you know back. But I, and I know some of you. You you may, from your perspective, you may have some 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 corrections in your mind for me. Or to, but you know what? I I can pretty much tell you what's going to happen tomorrow, brother Barr. I'm on, my brains are going to get beat out. I'm going to do my best not to. But I don't do real well at it. And I'm, I'm not the most pleasant husband and father to be around on Mondays. I'm really not, I'm not being, I'm not joking at all. I'm not offended by your laughter, but I'm really not joking. I'm being as serious as I know how to be. We tried a couple of years ago when we changed church services from Monday to Thursday night. We, we, we made the declaration, whether you've ever followed through with it or not, we made the declaration Monday nights. There's not supposed to be any organized ministry on Monday nights. And I know there's a few exceptions due to some schedules and stuff. But, but, but there's, there's not supposed to be any regularly scheduled ministries on Monday night. And that's supposed to be completely left for families. I got to tell you, I hope some of you have succeeded at that. But as a father and a husband, I have miserably failed. Because Monday nights just don't work well for family night. I just, I hit a crash. I've tried to pray through it. I've tried to do everything I know. and, And it just... If I don't preach for the weekend, it's usually not as bad. But when I preach two services a Sunday, it's usually a bad Monday. Just about every week I preach two services a Sunday. Monday nights are just, we, we've, we haven't succeeded to make another night a set night because everything else gets in the way. I just Monday nights don't work. But, but you know what? Tomorrow night, tomorrow night's Monday night. Tomorrow's usually not a great day. But I'm going to Baltimore tomorrow night. 
going to Baltimore because there's a man of God preaching in Baltimore tomorrow night and I, I want to go to church. I'm going to go get preached to tomorrow night. On a Monday night, when I'd rather be sitting at home in my chair avoiding the world. I can't even get some of you. I'm not trying to be mean. God knows, please. I'm, I'm begging you. can't even get some of you to set aside three times a week to be faithful to the house of God. Much less go beyond that. Why? Because you're bad people? No. Because you're reprobates and sinners? No. But you got a tent. got a tent but it's not in Sodom it's not in Sodom you're not living there but you've just got the focus of your world is that you come you stay out of it for the most part but it's still really where your eye kind of wanders I give you Every part of me, every song I sing, every breath I breathe, take my life, take my life. But Ellen Berger, it was Glenn Burney, that's where I was driving last night. Gotta be somebody that God is calling to come to his aid for every need. For every need, there's got to be somebody that is God is calling to come to his help. Let it not be said of me. Let it not be said of you. And let it not be said of this church that we did not come to the help of the Lord. Don't let it be said of us. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be... Brother Amos, would you come here, please? I'm sorry to do this to you. But... I wouldn't do it this way if Sister Hemus was here. I, I, I've, I got, I've got way more sense than that. This, this couple has got Tuesday, Tuesday, driving up to Philadelphia to get on an airplane to fly across the pond back to their place of calling. He. He told me yesterday, that was Friday night, I think, when your mother-in-law looked at you. Friday night. Friday night. Mother-in-law, you guys have been married 33 years. 
been married 33 years. And his mother-in-law looks at him Friday night and says, Who, who are you? A couple of months ago to see her. He told me then and the last time you were here she had gone downhill since the time before and he just told me this weekend she's gone downhill since the last time. I can't imagine he as a husband and father-in-law but as a wife and a daughter aboard an airplane on Tuesday not knowing how long it'll be till the next time she sees her mother. And who knows if the next time that instead of looking at him saying, who are you? She might even look at her own daughter and say, who are you? I'm sure it's not easy. I'm sure it's got to be hard. But 17 plus years ago, God asked John and Sherry for some help. He asked them for some help. They didn't know then what all it would end up costing them, but then they said, yes, 17 years with no less of a price, they're still saying, yes. Oh, What is is God asking you and I tonight that seems like some kind of a sacrifice that it's really just such a small sacrifice? I give you every part of me, every song I sing, every breath I breathe. Here's my life. Take control. Every, every, every part of me. I don't mean to be offensive, but if I need to give an altar call, I don't think I have succeeded. If I've got to invite you to come and pray, I'm not trying to be mean to you, but I just, I don't think I've succeeded if that's what's got to happen. Oh, God, let somebody hear your call for help tonight. Give somebody an ear to hear your cry for help we always expect you to hear our cry for help but I pray tonight that you would give us an ear to hear your cry for help oh don't let it be said of us Don't let it be said of us that we did not come to your help. God, I pray that you would help us tonight to take down some tents 
that we have built in the well-watered plains of Jordan because of how appealing it is and how wonderful it looks and that we would reposition ourselves in the land of promise that it might not look the best today. It might not be the most appealing today, but it's got a promise for a future that is exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask. Oh, God, when you spoke to the seven churches in Revelation, you said to those that had an ear to hear, God, let us have an ear to hear tonight. God, give us an ear to hear. Oh, God, help us to take our attention and our focus and the majority of our efforts off of our sealed houses that we dwell in off of our lives, off of our worlds that we are creating for ourselves and to put the building of your house ahead of the building of our house. We didn't get here, Antioch. We didn't get here, Antioch, without people hearing God's cry for help. We've got a history as a church that is full of those that have heard the Lord's cry for help. Don't let us become a generation that turns our ear away from God's cry for help. There's no shortage. There's no shortage of people in this county that need celebrate recovery. There's no shortage of people in this county that need celebrate recovery. The only shortage there will be are those responding to the Lord's call for help. I'd like, to, I'd like to make an appeal right now to some of you folks that are a part of past generations of this church. Some of you that go back to the warehouse days. Some of you that go back to the YMCA days. I wish I could ask you if you would 
to, to just kind of move around this sanctuary and find some of those that are a part of a generation that wasn't at the Y and they weren't at the warehouse. But you would impart something that was a part of the DNA of this church that caused what happened there to be a success. I plead with the millennials tonight. I plead with the millennials tonight. I know you've got faith for what Brother Shelton said. I know you've got faith for what Brother Shelton prophesied. But do you have the level of commitment for it? I know you've got faith that God will raise the dead. I know you've got faith that God will perform the miracles, but is your level of commitment matching your level of faith? get the year of doubling with the same old, same old. We can't get the year of doubling with half-hearted commitment and half-hearted dedication. It's not that we are earning or deserving the fulfillment of God's promises, but it's that we are demonstrating that we can be trusted with the fulfillment of God's promises. Should God give you the best He has if you're not willing to give Him the best that you have? Should God give you the best that He has if you won't give Him the best that you have? It might not be a scream. He might not be yelling. He might not be using a microphone to do it. But I believe there is a call from the Lord to help tonight. I know we've talked about celebrate recovery but obviously you all know there's much more there's much more going on many more things that have need of people who are willing to come to the help of the Lord Hey, 
I think another way of saying what Lot did by pitching his tent towards Sodom is what Paul warned Timothy of would be a sign of the last days that men would have a form of godliness but would deny the power of it. What is a form of godliness but denying the power of it? That's when I refuse to let the power of God transform every part of my life. That's when I refuse to let the power of God have control of every part of my life. God, give us ears. God, give us ears. Give us ears tonight to hear your call for help. Ears, God, to hear your call for help. You promised, you promised, God, that if we would seek your kingdom first, you said you would add, you said you would add, you said if we would put you first, you would add those things, those things that we have allowed to become our focus and pursuit. If we would put you first, you would add those things to us. I give you I give you every part of me I give you every part of me God I give you every part of me I give you every part of me I give you every part of me Every part, every part, every. I don't just give you my Sunday morning and Sunday night and Thursday night. I don't just give you certain parts. I give you every, every part. Every, every, every part. Every part. Give you 
such such a small such a small sacrifice oh yes with all all of me can we make a fresh commitment tonight I worship you God with all of me I worship you God with all of me I'm not talking about I'm talking about worshiping you with all of me during a church service. I'm talking about living my life as an act of worship. And worshiping such a small praying would you just join together for a moment with me and sing this as you pray Every 